Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the podcast that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and co-host of Dead Pilot Society, and I am excited to announce our next live show. It'll be on Sunday, March 11th at 2 o'clock p.m. at the Dynasty Theater in Los Angeles. This is a beautiful 1920s theater that Genji Cohen and Chris Knoxon have recently renovated. Uh, there's no cast to announce yet, but we'll, we'll be reading pilots by Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein, writers of Never Been Kissed and the upcoming Amy Schumer movie, I Feel Pretty. Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi, writers of Ride Along and The Invitation. Have you guys seen The Invitation? You, the Invitation's incredible. See The Invitation. Uh, and our third pilot from Elizabeth Lame, creator of the hit podcast Totally Lame, Totally Married, and Totally Mommy. So go to eventbrite.com and search Dead Pilot Society to get your tickets. So... You loyal listeners have been hearing me talk about the pilot uh, I've been supervising this season. Last episode, I said I would probably know by February whether it was alive or dead. Uh, It is February, and I was right. I do know. Uh, I don't want to keep you in more suspense. Uh, If you are a loyal listener, you should not be shocked to hear that it is dead. Um, I've talked to a lot of writers on the podcast about how rarely you get a reason for a pass on a pilot. You know, you, you agonize over so many things when you're writing, thinking that any of one of them could mean the difference between a pass and a pickup, you know, a better joke, a better defined character, a better opening, a better ending, and you never really know if any of them mattered. Uh, I asked the studio executive on the project if the studio got any kind of explanation for the pass, and it was almost funny what he said, which was that, The network called the studio and said, hey, we're passing on all of your pilots. So not only did we not get a reason for the pass, we didn't even get our own individual pass. We were just part of a blanket no. But uh, that's the game. Um, Our dead pilot this time comes from Adam McKay and Chris Henchy. Uh, I say A-list writers, pretty A-list this time. Uh, As a team, these guys wrote The Other Guys and The Campaign. And, of course, Adam McKay is well-known as the director of The Big Short, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, and Step Brothers. Their pilot is called Red State, Blue State, and we had just an incredible cast top to bottom on this one. David Koechner, Busy Phillips, Baron Vaughn, Michaela Watkins, Marcus Scribner from Blackish, Mikey Madison from Better Things, and some of our Dead Pilot Society all-stars, Craig Kukowski, Joel Spence, and Sujata Day. My co-host Ben Blacker interviewed Adam McKay about the origins and the fate uh, of the pilot, so you're going to hear that conversation, followed by Red State, Blue State, live from the Largo stage in L.A. after a brief message. (laughs) i love it oh good stuff every time uh well i hope that you're enjoying this podcast you're listening to as much as we are pretending to but anyway why not listen to another podcast too it's called the flop house and on our podcast uh we have recently watched a movie often a bad movie and we review it on our podcast but mainly talk about other stuff and i don't know hang out it's all about hanging out, feeling you're, like you're being with your best friends. Who are your best friends? Us three. Dan McCoy, <laughs> Emmy Award-winning writer for The Daily Show, Stuart Wellington, owner of the best bar in Brooklyn, Hinterlands, and Elliot Kalin, 
former Emmy-winning head writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, former head writer of Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return, uh, so many things. Author of the upcoming children's book. All right, that's enough. The Elliot's credits just go on and on. Yeah, but if you like the idea of listening to three funny guys talk about bad movies, then why not come over and listen to The Flop House? It's uh, available at MaximumFun.org or wherever fine podcasts are found. So get out of here. Hello? Hey, Adam McKay? Yes, it is. This is Ben Blacker calling. Do you have 10 minutes to talk to me? Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know you are crazy busy right now. Uh, Is everything going okay? Yeah, everything's fine, actually. Uh, Sunday is usually the best day, so... I actually have a little window of time. Oh, good. Well, we won't keep you from Super Bowl festivities either. Um, so we did a stage reading of Red State, Blue State uh, a couple months ago over at Largo. It was a oh, tremendous cool. success. Um, oh, nice. So I just want to sort of dig in and talk about the process of writing and selling that pilot. Um, I have a few specific things I want to ask you, starting with where did it come from? You wrote this pilot with Chris Henchy. You know, the, it basically came from this idea of the thing you hear all the time, which is why don't the networks do shows that deal with reality, you know, what's going on. <laughs> and, you know, you always hear Norman Lear, sort of the age of Norman Lear extolled as like the great golden era of television, which, by the way, I agree with. And, you know, it's amazing to look at a show like Good Times. It's about a family living in the projects and all in the family dealt with racism and sort of generation gap and all this stuff. And you're like, well, where are those shows nowadays? They don't really seem to exist. So Chris and I talked about the idea of doing a show that just directly charges into kind of the mouth of the monster, this crazy division, obviously, that's hit America uh, between the red states and the blue states and you know, the right and the left and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and we thought, you know, there's no reason you couldn't do this subject in a way that's very entertaining, very poppy. Our idea was to do it with three cameras, do it in front of a live studio audience and to make sure that we're not attacking, you know, the deep South too much to make sure that we're not poking fun at, you know, the ex college professor too much and to kind of just you know, look for the commonalities between both sides while dealing with these issues. Kind of what, you know, on the family did so brilliantly. We figured if we could be 20% as brilliant as that, we would be uh, doing something pretty interesting. So that was where it came from. It was very specifically built, designed, and conceived to be uh, a a pop network show that is about something. Um, mm-hmm. that is still wildly entertaining and funny and enjoyable and doesn't put anyone off, should ideally be able to play to both sides of the spectrum to the entire country. Yeah, and I think I think you guys were successful in that. I don't think it takes sides. I think both sides are up for ridicule, but also for uh, a- admiration. I think the characters learn from each other. Do you remember, I know this was a few years ago now, um, how the story itself started to take shape. Where did these characters come from? Is there autobiography in this for either of you? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think probably as much as probably it would be for you as well, in the sense that we all, you know, I have tons of relatives who live in the South and I've spent a bunch of time in the South and I've spent, I have a relative who's an ex college professor and, I'm also a football fan, even though I guess someone from 
you know, Georgia would call me a lefty. I'm a big football fan. And so it's, you know, all these sort of cliches we have about people from California, people from New York, like I'm not originally from California. I'm actually from Philadelphia. And, you know, all these cliches really don't hold water because we, we obviously all break them a thousand different ways. But at the same time, they're fun to kick around. So you know, we knew that the idea was kind of a city mouse moving the country mouse uh, premise with the professor losing his job mm-hmm. and having to go work for the brother-in-law. And we had David Keckner in mind right away. Uh, so we, it's a very simple beginning to the story of just, mm-hmm. like I said, city mouse moving the country mouse. And then we thought, well, there's probably no more intense religious Southern experience than college football. <laughs> and if you look at a professor of semiotics from a Northeastern university, <laughs> probably would be pretty far afield from anything he had experienced. So, and I think the key idea we had was when the idea that he gets the half sunburn, so he's red and white, mm-hmm. uh, was, was once we had that as an ending beat, we, the fact that like it or not, he's going to be included in this. <laughs> and, uh, and that last image of him kind of screaming with the crowd, like, what the hell the hell did I get here? We kind of like that idea. That's fun. Yeah. A, a lot of times, as soon as you have kind of your premise and then your end beat, you're good. And then really the stuff you want to write is the character stuff and the details and mm-hmm. what their world's like. We kept laughing about the idea that their air conditioning was just always cranked to like <laughs> 63, 64. Um, just a lot of little moments we kept laughing about. And, uh, and you know, a lot of times, even though there are little moments, you can end up building around those. And we kind of love the idea that the, the uh, Northeastern uh, college professor and his wife, that their son kind of, of course, ends up enjoying mm-hmm. what's going on down there, <laughs> and uh, yeah. which any 12-year-old would, you know, if you're <laughs> suddenly taken to the South and you're set loose and... Uh, or most, not any 12-year-old, but most 12-year-olds would love yeah. being able to throw knives at tree trunks and run around in the woods and go in <laughs> trucks and drive through mud. I mean, that's just a 12-year-old's dream. So those kind of pieces came together, but quite honestly, it was really easy to write. And that was like one of the things we were excited about was like, oh, I don't think there'd be any problem doing 20 episodes mm-hmm. of this. It just seemed endlessly fruitful. And when you got into the auto parts store and the people who work there and the town and uh, all that kind of stuff, it just felt like, oh, they, you could you could rattle off six, seven seasons of this, no problem. Yeah. And was that part of the pitching process for it? Did you guys go in and say, like, Here's our, here's the characters, but here are all the worlds. Here are the scenarios. Oh yeah, we have. totally. And we were really surprised when people weren't into it. We couldn't <laughs> believe it. We, you know, we had we had a hard time even selling that script. Uh, really? A lot of places like NBC passed, ABC passed. We thought for sure we're like we designed the show to be a network show, like, and we know we can write jokes, right. and we thought, oh, this is like the perfect show. And kind of at the end of the whole experience, we're like, oh, I don't think they want a show that's about anything. <laughs> Interesting. Do you, and do you think that's where the, the passes came from? I mean, I feel like you'd bring this show out now and everybody buys it. It may have been a little ahead of its time in that way. Oh, I don't know. The division was pretty deep. I mean, the that's show's true. not that. When did we write it? Like three, four years ago? Yeah, I maybe mean, three years was, ago. Yeah, stuff was pretty crazy with yeah. Obama and like... That's true. It was it was as ripe. A t- I mean, obviously now it's gone 
full on bonkers. But no, it really did lead us to having a discussion like, I wonder if the networks, I wonder if there's not some discussion with the networks and the advertisers where they like their shows not to really be about the real world. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about it, if, if you're watching a show that deals with like, you know, economic insecurity, that deals with cultural divides, that deals with issues, you're not as primed really to swallow a commercial. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You kind of want, like for the networks, I would think the dream show of all time was Friends <laughs> because it doesn't exist in reality. Everyone's <laughs> great looking. All the problems are small. And in a way, it's kind of like the world the commercials want you to live in. They want you to live in like an alternate. So we started having discussions after we couldn't sell this because we were so baffled. Like why and and pretty quickly, God bless CBS for even uh, buying the pilot, but they pretty quickly passed on it. I mean, really, without a, like in a blink of an eye, they were just like, no. And I don't, I don't harbor any grudges or anything. I mean, it's like we've had millions of things in our careers sure. passed on and not bought, so it's just part of the job. So we weren't angry. We were more just perplexed at the end of it why they weren't doing it. And that's when it kind of dawned on me, like, oh, I don't think they want, like, because it's you look at all the shows that are on the network, like shows and shows and shows and shows, none of them deal with any of these issues, like not one single show. And it makes you think like, Oh, this is on purpose. Hmm. And I, some conversations I bet you were had, uh, that kind of led in this direction. Yeah. 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 I think you may be right. Uh, and, and the friends point, you, you may have cracked how to sell a network show. Make it look like well, the they commercials. Love <laughs> they love shows that aren't really about anything. They That's love really shows that are, I mean, Seinfeld is kind of a dream show for them. They love shows where you don't feel any of the uncertainty or pain of the real world. It's kind of like a casino in the sense of you go into a casino and there's no clocks and all your money's transferred into like fun chips and everything's colorful and wonderful and you're going to live forever. And then you're more likely to spend money. I think there's a little bit of that with network TV where they just want everything to be kind of colorful. And I mean, have you ever noticed like the, I can always tell a network show the second you turn it on because all the people are preposterously good looking. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like sometimes there'll be a good hour long drama. I'm like, wow, that's a cool premise. But then they cast it with all models <laughs> and you're like, it's instantly ruined. Like, and yeah, this uh, is not the so real I, world. I, yeah, so this whole show got us really thinking, like, oh, I, I think this is on purpose. I that's think there's, they're never going to tell you that, but I think that's what's going on. Uh, and you mentioned, uh, and you guys mentioned this to me as well, that you had Dave Keckner in mind when you wrote it. And did you, did, uh, Keckner said that he came on some of these pitches. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Keckner was uh, kind of essential to the idea. So uh, he was one of our first thoughts. So he, in fact, did come. Uh, it's a great which, asset having an actor in the room uh, when you're pitching, I've found. I think so. I think it's always really nice. I mean, because it shows a level of commitment beyond just the call to the agent, the agent going, yeah, sure, he'll attach. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, when you get the guy in the room, it means they're into it. And he was really into it. Yeah, he, we, were, yeah we were disappointed. We really thought this thing had a chance to go. And uh, like I said, kind of perplexed at the end when no one would do it. Like, oh, we're missing something here, clearly. <laughs> and uh, and then there was some discussion of like, well, maybe you could do this on Amazon or Netflix was looking for three camera. But 
I kind of felt like the whole point of the show was that it had to be network. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's how it would work. Cause if you were going to do a show on Netflix, you would just immediately do something kind of edgier or different, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it was kind of designed to be on network. Um, yeah. so once that happened, we kind of felt like, uh, just walk away from it. But man, Keckner would have been classic on that show. He would have been incredible. Has this experience chased you away from network TV? You know, I, I don't, like I said, you know, we're all grown ups. We all do this mm-hmm. for a living. So it, it, it just was more of a, a confusing thing than it was angering in any way, shape or yeah. form. I think you just have to be realistic about what you're dealing with with network. So there are ideas we still have that feel right for network. And we actually, our production company, Sanchez, has a deal with CBS. Mm-hmm. And now that we really understand network a lot better, the deal's actually been great because okay. we just would never do a show like <laughs> Red State Blue State for him. We know that, that is no, that's a no-go. So, um, And, you know, we get pitched a lot of ideas. I mean, I guess the big question beyond you know, has it changed how I feel about network would be, can there ever be a super relevant show on network? And I would mm-hmm. say, well, Blackish is a good show. Mm-hmm. Modern Family has had uh, runs that are really good. So, yeah, yeah, I think you can still do good stuff on network. I think it takes an incredible amount of skill and luck. And whenever I talk to people that have had multiple network shows on, I always tell them, I'm like, especially when they're good shows. I'm like, you've done, I think it's the hardest thing to do in all of entertainment is Mm -hmm. to have a quality network show and what they did with modern family and blackish and, and, uh, 30 rock and, uh, parks and rec. And, and these shows is, is now that I've been through it, I'm in awe that they got those shows on TV. Like, I just don't know how they did it. Yeah. And, uh, it's truly incredible. But that having been said, yeah, the opportunities there, if I could get a show like 30 rock on or, or blackish or one of those types of shows in a second, I would do it. And, and still there's nothing like that great network hit when it really hits like a show like lost, Mm -hmm. it it captivates the country in a way that, that nothing else can. So I, I think we're all hoping and praying there'll be another show like that. Yeah, they do come along. Um, what is next for you? It's been, it's been really fascinating and rewarding um, seeing the kind of stuff you've been making as a writer and director in the past couple of years from the big short on, um, which is, is to me, one of the best movies of the past few years. Oh, um, thanks, man. It's, it's really great. What, what's next? What can we expect from you? Well, actually, we have a TV show uh, that I did the pilot for, I directed the pilot for, called Succession mm-hmm. uh, with Jeremy Strong, Brian Cox, Sarah Snook, incredible incredible cast and uh, it's for HBO hour long. I would almost call it a drama more than a comedy, but mm-hmm. there's certainly some funny stuff in it. Jesse Armstrong wrote it. And so we got oh, to collaborate great. on the pilot and I just love it. I'm like as proud of that as anything I've done in a long time. And, uh, so that's going to premiere in June. We got picked up for 10 episodes. Awesome. Uh, so I'm on that as an EP, and obviously we'll hope to direct more episodes in the future. And then we just finished shooting our uh, our mammoth uh, Dick Cheney uh, movie, yeah, um, which we're still trying to lock in a title, uh, which is working title Cheney right now. But um, and with Christian Bale and Amy Adams, Steve Carell, Sam Rockwell, um, amazing cast we had. 
And that looks very interesting. It's uh, a lot of people are like, oh, is it a biopic? I'm like, well, <laughs> not like one you've seen before. <laughs> That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, we definitely took some big swings on this. And it's an epic, epic story. It's kind of all about how we got here right now in this crazy place in America. And uh, it was it was really satisfying and challenging to do. So those are my two next big things coming out. And then uh, for me personally, and then obviously uh, we have Gary Sanchez. So mm-hmm. we have uh, Drunk History uh, just premiered new season, yeah. which is really great. We have LA to Vegas on Fox, which... Uh, although I always think of Fox as like half traditional network. So uh, that's actually a really funny show. LA to Vegas, yeah, very yeah. happy with that. And um, what else we got going? Uh, we have a bunch of TV shows. That's uh, great. Yeah, and we just uh, we had a couple movies. We had Daddy's Home 2 did really well. Oh, we have a movie on Netflix coming out, too, called Abitha, directed by Alex Rickenbach with Vanessa Bear. That's really funny and oh, that's fun. Great just pure fun. So a bunch of stuff. But yeah, the two big ones are Succession and Cheney. And thanks again for letting us do uh, Red State, Blue State. It was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy listening to it. I hope the listener does too. Dead Pilot Society is supported in part by Audible. With an unmatched selection of audiobook and spoken word audio products, Audible is the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Audiobooks are great. They're great for helping you be a better you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. Dead Pilot Society listeners might enjoy The Drifter by Christine Lennon, a tense, sharply observed, and often funny novel about friendship and college in the 90s based on the true events of the Gainesville Ripper murders at the University of Florida. Audible's offering our listeners a free 30-day trial membership. Get a free audiobook, perhaps The Drifter by Christine Lennon, with a 30-day trial today by signing up. Go to audible.com slash deadpilots or text deadpilots to 500 500 that's dead pilots to 500 500 to get started. Uh, we're also supported by LinkedIn. Look, hiring's hard, especially from job boards. But there's a better place to find great talent. And 70% of the U.S. workforce is already there. It's LinkedIn. It's the world's largest professional network. LinkedIn considers skills, experiences, location, and more to match and promote your job to potential candidates. And businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. Go to linkedin.com slash deadpilots for a $50 credit toward your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash deadpilots. Terms and conditions apply. And this is Red State, Blue State. <laughs> Written by Adam McKay and Chris Henchy. Act one, we're at Northeast University, a brick building. We're inside a classroom. A professor, Evan Grandin, smart yet sometimes awkward, stands in the front of a classroom with just three or four students in it. He's wrapping up the class. So if the signifier and the designata are clear, then which element is the interpretant and which is the interpreter? No one even thinks about raising their hand. Very simple. Day one stuff. One student raises her hand. Yes, yes, Jeffrey. What? I'm sorry. I was asleep and was dreaming I was trying to catch a baseball. (laughs) A bell rings and the students bolt for the door. Uh, uh, Okay, okay. Well, for the second week week in a row, uh, let's go back and read chapter one. We see the dean of the school, Dr. Howard Lean, in the back of the room. Hello, Evan. 
Tough class? Hi, Howard. Well, you know how it goes. Mm. The introductory levels are always the hardest with semiotics. <laughs> <laughs> how many kids dropped out when you told them semiotics isn't the study of half-man, half-robots? Hmm, this semester six. Six. Uh, Evan, I met with the trustees this morning, and we're eliminating semiotics as a department. I'm truly sorry. The university needs departments that generate revenue. What? Howard, come on, don't do this. We're replacing your class with a cultural studies class, the Art of Bay. What, what? <laughs> What's that? What's that, like beginning etymology? No, it's a class dedicated to the study of the cultural significance of Beyonce. It's already filled for next semester. So, basically, after 15 years of serving this university, I'm fired so you can teach a class on Jay-Z's wife? Oh. Or is Jay-Z Beyonce's husband? That's chapter six. Gender roles relating to Miami Beach nightlife. It's a pretty fascinating class. Uh, you'll land on your feet, Evan. And who knows? Maybe this will be good for you. How will this possibly be good for me? Honestly, I have no idea. HR said it was a good thing to say when giving someone the boot. I'm sorry, Evan. I really am. Howard leaves humming. <laughs> We're exterior on a Boston street. Evan walks down the street with a banker's box full of his office possessions. He passes a big posting ad for Beyonce's latest album. The significance of signs in language. He kicks it. An elderly woman stops and hits Evan. You don't kick that sign. Beyonce is a queen. <laughs> We're in a brownstone six months later. Evan is seated with his wife, Wendy, attractive in a real way and sharp. They're, <laughs> Their brownstone is nice but not extravagant with lots of books. Uh... Did you try talking to Kevin at Michigan State? Yeah, yeah, and Carly at Colorado State and Larry at New Mexico. All I've done is call people for the past six months since I've been fired, and they all say the same thing. They're shrinking their departments, not hiring. Everything is going online, and all the high schools say I'm overqualified. I mean, I, I picked up three tutoring jobs, but really, all three moms just wanted me to pretend to be their date to go to functions with them. That's, that's prostitution. I didn't say I did it. But honey, honey, okay, you're, you know what? You're starting to spiral. Breathe. Remember I breathe. don't have time to breathe, okay? Our savings are almost gone. We have a mortgage, tuition for Oliver. I already canceled the Netflix account and the Cheese a Month Club. Breathe, breathe. Evan takes a deep breath in and relaxes a bit. <sighs> the breathing always works. <laughs> I don't know why I resist. Oh, um... Have you thought about my, my brother's offer? Uh, no way. I'm not managing an auto parts store in Georgia. The pay's pretty good, and their benefits. The last time we spent time with your brother and his family, it turned into a two-hour argue, uh, two argument about whether Obama is Arabic for America hater. Right. <laughs> their son Oliver, 15, enters. He wears a Doctor Who t-shirt and has bedhead. He's very smart and nerdy. Mom, Dad, I have an idea about how we can make some money. Oliver, you are the son. We are the parents. Let us worry about paying the uh, Don't listen to her. What you got? <laughs> Oliver pulls out a sheet of paper. 
Okay, if we each donate plasma once a week and donate spermazoa and eggs every two weeks and donate hair to wig companies every six months, we can pay half of my school tuition. Evan looks at Oliver's work. So we're looking at about 15000 Okay, okay, call your brother. Call your brother. Music cue, Georgia Peaches by Leonard Skinnerd. We have a montage of the state of Georgia. Uh, the first shot, go bulldog sign in a shop window. Then a diner with pickup trucks outside. A pickup truck with a proud-to-be-proud bumper sticker. <laughs> a Bojangles chicken restaurant. A Piggly Wiggly convenience store. Go Bulldogs in every window. We see the exterior of a McMansion with a couple of big SUVs in the driveway. It's a high-end southern neighborhood about 90 minutes outside Atlanta. Go Bulldog signs in the well-manicured front yard. Bulldog fan parking only by the cars. A voice screams from inside. The music gets louder. Skinnerd is playing from inside the house. In the McMansion living room, Wendy Grandin's brother, Billy Riles, in his pressed white collared shirt, jeans, and cowboy hat, argues with his wife, Janie Riles. She's got stonewashed chic, and she's hot in a Faith Hill's older sister kind of way. I just don't get why, we have to li- why they have to live with us. Couldn't you have lent them some money? Baby, this is family. My Uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> he only showed his wiener twice. I barely know your sister and her husband. And Oliver's probably six feet tall by now, baby. Our house has only 5,500 square feet. You do the math. Sorry. <laughs> Their 5,500-square-foot house... There you go. There you go. That's the number. <laughs> ...is a gigantic prefab McMansion. The kitchen is massive, and the living room furniture is giant and lush. I told you you're going to stay in the guest house, and it's temporary. Six months, maybe a year. They're family. Billy and Janie's daughter, Courtney, 17, a beautiful blonde southern cheerleader type, enters in workout clothes. They're staying in the guest house, but that's where I go when I hate mom. You hear... <laughs> You hear that, Billy? Now she can't storm out of rooms when I tell her she's getting chunky. <laughs> They're family. Families help each other, or at least that's what they do on the insurance commercials. Besides, my sister was a straight-A student my whole life, did everything right. So finally, she needs my help. Is there, is there a part of me that's going to relish the hell out of this? You betcha. So we're going to do this, and that's the final word. Uh, okay. Was that you trying to lay down the law as the husband? Nice try, because here's the real law. There is a Hampton Inn up the road, and they are staying there. We're here. The front door opens. It's Wendy, Evan, and Oliver with bags in tow. Oh, my my God, we are just so happy you're here. Stay as long as you want. You must be so tired. I'm making you sandwiches. Don't even argue. (laughs) She kisses each of them on the cheek. Courtney, uh, say hello to your Aunt Wendy and Uncle Evan, your cousin Oliver. Hi. Hi, Courtney. Oh, my God. I can't believe how much you've grown. We haven't seen you since you were, what, 11? Oliver is thunderstruck. He has never seen a girl like Courtney in person. Oliver, say hello to Courtney. (laughs) It's uh, good to see you, sis. It's been too long. Hey, Billy. 
Billy and Wendy hug. Y'all must be exhausted. That's a long drive from Boston. Must have been amazing, though. The open road, truck stops, mm -hmm. getting to see this great nation ours. What'd you drive, Tahoe? Excursion? Uh, we drove our Prius. <laughs> That's not a car. That's an electric shaver on wheel. Actually, we saved $300 in gas and emitted one-fourth the pollution of a regular car. Okay, well, you best not park by my truck or I'll run over it. <laughs> breathe, honey, just breathe. Uh, listen, Billy, I, I know this is hard and a little strange for all of us. We're moving into your house. I'll be working for you, and we haven't spent a lot of time together. But I just wanted to say... Thank you. Now, there's no need to thank me. Truth be told, you're doing us a solid too, Evan. My manager for the flagship store just quit. He retired to Hawaii. Okay, fine. He ran off with a girl half his age. Okay, fine. It was a guy. Okay, fine. There's no guy or a girl. He shot a porno in my supply room, so I had to fire him. But we pureled the whole store, so it's all good. Well, I have to admit, I'm a little nervous to be leaving academia, but I've been reading a lot of books on business theory and retail, so I just hope I can help. Well, if you don't shoot a porn in the supply room, we're already ahead of the game. <laughs> now let's get you settled in the guest house, and then we'll have a big old southern supper at four. After that, we'll roll by Billy Barn Auto Supply so we can show you around. And tomorrow, we're going to go see the Bulldogs. It's a family tradition. It's, uh, it's football, the Georgia team. I know, honey, I'm not an idiot. I understand the enjoyment of football. However, with the head injuries, uh, players getting concussed, taken advantage of academically, uh, it's hard to root for it. Billy's but I will gladly cheer. Go, Bulldogs! There we go. <laughs> we got a hell of a team this year. We'll paint our faces red and white, tailgate, and have a blast. Paint our faces? What was the name of the football team at the college you worked at, Evan? Well, Evan's school didn't have a football team. It was uh, more of a liberal arts college. How come there aren't any conservative arts colleges? <laughs> yeah. They could study the Bible with their clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Let's get you set up. Billy, All right, Billy now Billy Go grabs ahead. your bags, and they move out through the back to the guest house. Over there is the kitchen if you need some sweet tea. There's one of our seven bathrooms if you want to engage in your unmentionables. That's the TV room if you want to watch some Fox News. Hi, Def. I swear, that picture's so clear, you can see every patriotic pore on Bill O'Reilly's nose clear as day. We mostly watch BBC or PBS for our news. I tried watching those. Mm -hmm. Boring. Here's a tip. Get hotter newscasters. Mm. Welcome to Georgia. They exit, leaving Courtney and Janie alone. They're weird. Why does not Wendy wear any makeup? She looks like a contestant on Naked and Afraid. <laughs> They're New York liberals, and we are going to be polite and loving towards them like the loving family we are. You shouldn't wear that outfit, baby. Makes you look thick in the thighs. Mom, I hate you. She starts to storm out and realizes the Grandins are in the guest house. Oh, I got nowhere to storm off to. And we end act one. <laughs> act two, we're in the master bedroom. 
of the guest house. Evan and Wendy are unpacking in the fairly large guest house bedroom. I can't believe this is their guest house. It's twice the size of our old brownstone. Wow, Billy always did everything big. This whole thing is just so weird. I was always the straight-A student. I was the one who went up north to go to a fancy college and marry a professor. And now here I am, living in my brother's guest house. Evan's slightly hurt. When you said, I do, the world I envisioned for us, it was, this wasn't it. Okay, it's okay, sweetie. I just, I want us to be happy. And I have to admit, I never thought we'd be living within walking distance of a Piggly Wiggly. It is very different down here. Four people asked if I wanted a dip. What is a dip? It's chewing tobacco. I'm glad I said no. Yeah. Evan holds Wendy. Oliver enters. Okay, this place is awesome. They have a whirlpool bathtub in their guest house. They have a snack bar in their TV room. You don't have to pay for anything. Want a Twix? <laughs> I'm glad you like it, sweetie. Can I ask something? Are uh, Courtney and I really cousins? <laughs> Yes, yes, Oliver, you are, yes. Crap. Well, we should get down for supper. It's almost four. <laughs> Who has dinner at four? People in the South, and it's called supper, and the menu's got two choices, fried or deep fried. In the dining room that night, we pan past a southern feast laid out on the table. Greens, pitchers of sweet tea, Pepsi, fried chicken, fried steaks, fried okra, fried bread, etc., <laughs> We pull out and see the Grandins and the Riles are sitting down around the table. Mmm, this looks amazing, Jamie. Make sure you put that cream gravy on everything, really pulls out the fried flavor. Mmm, mm, this meal's just like they make it at Chili's or TGI Fridays. Let us pray. They join hands. Evan is awkward with it. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior and the only path to eternal life. All of us, by being at this table, accept you and take you into our hearts. You are the one and true God, and every person sitting here agrees with that fact. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, so sorry. Uh, I, I don't want to interrupt, but uh, can you pull it back just a little bit? Am I being too loud? Actually, Billy, Evan isn't a Christian. Oh, my word, oh. I'm the one that's sorry. Are you Jewish? Cool, we got a Jewish man living in our house. I got an Instagram yes. this. <laughs> Actually, no, no, I, I'm not Jewish either. I'm, uh, mm, how do you say it? Um, Dad's an atheist. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Uh, he doesn't believe in God. He says religion is for people who don't want to understand the world. That's enough, Oliver. But yes, I mean, it's kind of true. I mean, I, I well, I... I don't believe in God, but I respect your beliefs. Sweet Jesus in a top hat, you're an atheist? <laughs> Uncle Evan's an atheist? Is he going to have a war on Christmas? If he does, <laughs> if he does, Christmas will win. It always oh, yeah. does. <laughs> I believe in a higher power, just not the same way you do. Please, continue the grace. Just maybe a little less Jesus. Okay. Oh, you're the guest. We want you to feel comfortable. They join hands again and bow their heads. Dear God, who has a son? <laughs> but apparently we can't talk about him right now. <laughs> so as not to upset folks. 
Dear God, we thank you for this bounty, and we ask you to help those unfortunates who have lost faith and live in sadness and pride. <laughs> These poor creatures congregate in New York City or Boston <laughs> in two-bedroom walk-ups, probably listening to jazz and smoking reefer with the gays. You're talking about me, right? He's talking about me. He's talking about me. Billy, stop it. Well, what am I supposed Come to do? We're in Georgia. You don't leave Jesus out of grace, you'll get pissed. You're our guest. You're our family. Evan, why don't you say grace? I don't know. <laughs> oh, actually, I think that's a really wonderful idea. Evan, say grace. <clears throat> Dear force that is more powerful than us that we can never understand, some call you God. Others call you Allah. Still others call you Ra. Or Zeus, or Jor-El. That's Superman's father. Okay. I'm sorry. This is this is this is new for no, me. No, honey, you're doing great. Thank you. Even though I don't think you're a uh, you, and that the idea of humanizing the grand mystery of existence belittles the scope of that mystery, we give thanks to you. Amen. 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 Well, Evan, that was well done. Kind of like that time we watched an episode of Cosmos. <laughs> Thank you, Janie. So let me ask you this in the most sensitive way possible. Why did they throw you out on your ass from your job, Evan? Billy. No, no, that's, that's okay. Uh, the truth is, Billy, they eliminated my department and replaced it with a class on Beyonce. Ooh, we love Beyonce! <laughs> Is there a degree in Hootie and the Blowfish? <laughs> I'd have a PhD. I love me some Hootie. How about you, Oliver? What are your hobbies? Well, I was into Python with the Django platform for a while, but now I'm really into Ruby through Rails on the GitHub site. Are those rock bands or porn sites? Those computer languages. Oliver is a very talented computer programmer. <laughs> I learned Java at age eight. Oh, uh, my parents wouldn't let me drink coffee till I turned nine. It's true, we're very strict. I, I gotta say, it's, uh, it's quite chilly in here. Well, we keep the air conditioning at 63, but I can turn it up to 64 if it makes you feel more, feel more comfortable. Yeah, since we got successful back in the late 90s, Billy likes to keep the air cranked. He says, an unnaturally cold house tells people that you've made it. <laughs> But what about global warming? That's a good one, Evan. <laughs> you almost had me. Now, we should run over to the store and show you the lay of the land. We got seven Billy Barnes, and the one you'll be working at is the first one I opened. I refer, refer to it as corporate. He stands, and so does Evan, who takes his plate. Oh, no, you can leave that for the women, Evan. Evan looks at Wendy, shocked. <clears throat> no, I can't. <laughs> He heads into the kitchen with Billy. On the way over to the store, we can pick up some red and white paint for the game tomorrow. We got to get our bulldog colors on. You know, I'm not exactly a paint-my-face kind of guy, but thanks anyway. It'll be fun. You'll see. Now, come on. Billy Barna waits. <laughs> wow. I presented my dissertation at Stanford, lectured at Princeton, and now I'm nervous to work at an auto supply store. It's going to be fine. Oh, uh, you know what? I never told Teddy you are going to be working. That could be a problem. Who's Teddy? Oh, don't worry. It's not a problem. 
You just said it was going to be a problem. No, I didn't. At Billy Barn, we see an AutoZone-type store called Billy Barn. Cars litter the parking lot. Evan and Billy enter the auto parts store with a front cash register surrounded by ice scrapers, air fresheners, floor mats, etc. Customers walk the aisles. One employee and family friend, Teddy, stands by the cash register. Dim, rednecky, and a bit paranoid, he finishes up with a customer. And $2.30 is your change. Go Bulldogs. Go dogs. Take her easy, Teddy. The customer exits. Hey, Teddy, I want you to meet my brother-in-law, Evan. Oh, yeah, you told me all about him. He's the liberal who smokes doobies and wishes we were all on welfare. <laughs> I didn't say that. Teddy's thinking of someone else. What'd you mean? You said it a bunch of times. <laughs> oh, I get it. Because he's here now. <laughs> it's okay. I know we have our differences. I'm just here to be a good employee. Employee? He's going to be working here? Yeah, it's, it, Evan's going to be helping out for a while. It's going to be fine. Maybe it's time we start drug testing our employees. <laughs> I don't smoke pot, not since my college days. When were those, 10 minutes ago? Billy checks the cash register. A pretty slow day, Teddy. Yeah, but that's Fridays and Saturdays for you. Why are those times slow? Saturdays and Fridays, those are big shopping days up north. Football! Sheesh! Can I speak privately with you, Billy? Of course, Teddy. Evan, uh, you can look around. I'll be right back. Okay. Teddy and Billy step aside. I don't trust this guy. Why doesn't his name end with a Y or an I like all the rest of us? <laughs> I'll be honest. That bothers me, too. But he's family, and I want you to treat him like family. My family's a mess. My daddy says, sells meth in Florida. My brother tried to stab me on Christmas. Then, then treat him like a stranger. I don't trust strangers, unless it's a sexy lady stranger. All right, well, treat him like a police officer. I can do that. They rejoin Evan, who has just finished ringing up a customer. Uh, you have a nice day, sir, and I sincerely thank you for choosing Billy Barn for all your automotive needs. Why the hell are you talking to me like that? I'm sorry, go Bulldogs. Go dogs. Take her easy, buddy. The customer exits. That was nice, Evan, your first customer. Yeah, I would have said go Bulldogs way earlier. <laughs> Officer. In the Riles living room at the same time, Janie and Wendy exit the kitchen laughing and they sit in the living room, <laughs> wine glasses in hand. I can't believe you used to lawn dance at the El Dorado. I used to be there every weekend. Yeah, before I moved up north, uh, I was a real Georgia girl. <laughs> I could line dance and skate and shoot, even throw football. Hey, oh, <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. Maybe we'll be BFFs. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, yeah. I have three frenemies, and it's exhausting. <laughs> I need a BFF. Well, sure. I mean, we're all family. This could be a great way for us to connect. Janie starts brushing Wendy's hair aside. You, know, you gotta let me do a makeover on you. You've got good bone structure. We just need to put some paint on the barn door. Oh, I never thought of my face as a barn door. <laughs> Oliver and Courtney enter. Mom, can I go mudding with Courtney? Uh, what's mudding? Oh, I think that's a great idea. What's mudding? Oh, uh, please. Uh, Mom, it'll be fun. 
Courtney said, uh, Courtney asked me. My mom made me ask him? Uh, sure, just be back by 9.30. Yes! I'm going mudding! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad they're getting along. Yeah, seriously, what's mudding? Oh, some of Courtney's classmates drive their pickups through the mud. Uh-huh. It's how I met your brother. Give Billy a patch of mud and a four-wheel drive vehicle, and he was a stallion. Oh, oh, okay. they used to do that when I was here, too, but we didn't have a name for it. They just called it driving your truck in the mud. <laughs> oh, well, now it's a sport. Oh. <laughs> Yay! I love having you guys here. I'll be honest, at first I was mad as a hornet's nest that had been shot with a BB gun that you guys were staying with us. Oh, it's okay. We were nervous, too, but Billy, you know, is so welcoming. My brother's grown up a lot. <laughs> Believe me, <laughs> Billy hasn't grown up that much. This whole week before you came, he's running around saying, I can't believe my know-it-all sister has to come crawling back to me for a roof over her head. How sweet it is. (laughs) He said that? Uh (laughs) Billy always says I get loose lip when I drink. Curse you, Chablis. (laughs) At the same time at Billy Barn, Billy is showing Evan the store with Teddy trailing. So that's the lay of the land. Right about now is when we usually close up. We don't open on Saturdays until 3 when the football starts to end. Huh. It seems like a waste of prime retail hours. Wait, what, what if you had a sale and put up a couple of TVs with the game on? Guys come, they don't miss any of the game and shop. It connects shopping with football. Economist Liam Alvey called it relationship marketing. Ha ha, listen here, Evan. You can read all the books you want, but football is king down here, and there ain't no way folks are going to come to a store to watch football. Sale or no sale? Well, why not try? You're, you're taking the loss already. If it even half works, it'll be added profits. Teddy pulls Billy aside. Billy, do not let this know-it-all come into your store and tell you how to run your business. He thinks he's smarter than you. Look at his I'm smarter than you eyes and his I'm smarter than you face. I can hear you. Damn. It's cool, officer. We're just kicking it. <laughs> yeah, to pardon Teddy. What he lacks in smarts, he makes up for in suspicion and poor decision making. And I'm lean and quick. And I ain't afraid to bite. He strikes a fighting pose. <laughs> I don't think this will work, but I'll try it. I'll bring in a few TVs and put a. Two for one on wiper blades and air fresheners sign up in the morning. We'll open up at nine instead of two-ish. That's great. Or, as they say down south, yippery. <laughs> right? Yeah, no one says that. <laughs> yippery, isn't that from Mary Poppins? <laughs> we go to the Rouse's living room. Janie is standing in the living room outside the guest bathroom. All right, girl, get out here. It's some of my finest makeover work, and I want to see you in the good lighting. Wendy emerges from the bathroom. She's heavily made up in a rhinestone blouse with sculpted hair, like Janie's twin times ten. Can I change now? What? Why would you want to change? You look radiant, like Sandra Bullock in the blind side, except without the adopted kid. Billy and Evan enter the front door. I'm warning you, uh, sale or no sale, people love their football. Well, we'll see if... Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Sis, you look... uh, Like a crazy person. I was just going to say like Janie, amazing. Oh, so your know-it-all sister looks good? What's that? 
Janie told me what you told her. Your know-it-all sister has come crawling back under your roof. How sweet it is. I'm sorry, Billy. Let me guess, Shibli. <laughs> Three glasses and counting. Look, sis, I was in a pissy mood. I said some crap I didn't mean. So you don't mean it? Wendy, let it, let it go. We just had a great time at the store. It was exciting. Uh, Billy's trying an idea I had. You know, he's a grown man. Let him answer for himself. Honestly? I, yeah, I meant it. Don't, baby. Now, my whole life, our parents would go on and on about my sister getting straight A's or going to a fancy college up north. Then you married a college professor. Who'd I marry? All right, watch your words very carefully. <laughs> An ex hooters girl with a great ass and a ton of credit card debt. Oh, baby, that is so sweet. <laughs> so, yeah, for one second, I did feel a little high on myself, make my mistake of telling Miss Chablis over here, yes. We're leaving. Evan, let's pack and find a hotel. There's a reason I moved up north. And now I remember. No, please stay. It's fun having someone around besides Queen Latifah and Ellen. If you leave, we'll just be BFs. I want the extra F. Honey, it, it felt good to be in that store, to have my ideas heard rather than students yawning at them. I'm ready for this change, and I think you are too. Can't we just breathe and calm down for a beat? Your husband might be wrong about Jesus and global warming, but he's right about calming down. Let's all walk away, get a good night's sleep, then tomorrow we'll paint our faces red and white and go watch some football. I agree with Billy, except for the part about painting faces. There's no way I'm doing that. Really? So you're too good to watch Fox News. You're too good to eat fried food. You're too good to wear bulldogs colors. Is that it? Baby, don't. You just gave the calm down speech, and now I can feel you heating up. I'm not too good for anything, Billy. I'm just different than you. And one of our differences is that I think a person should take pride in their personal appearance. Oh. Oliver enters completely covered in mud from head to toe. Courtney follows behind him. Rule number one of mudden, stay in the truck. He is such a weirdo. Please don't make me hang out with him again. Well, she I leaves. Fell, I fell out of the truck and everyone thought it was the coolest thing ever. This kid Dylan wants me to come over to his house and throw rocks at construction equipment. I love it here. <laughs> He leaves. Where were we? We're about to all go to bed and let this thing blow over. No, baby. We're discussing how my snobby sister and her husband think Billy and his family are a big, fat joke. Well, you skipped the part where my prideful brother can't extend a helping hand without gloating over his sister's hard times. Great. Then good night. Now, if you don't mind, I'm turning the air down to 61 because it's my house and I can afford to. Come on. You, you got a fire going. That's because I was cold. <laughs> Then turn up the air. Then it gets hot. Why the hell do you care? You're all leaving, so good night. He pulls Janie by the hand and they go up the stairs. Except for the yelling, it was a lovely night. Evan sits down on the couch. You know, sometimes you're even more hard-headed than your brother. We should leave. This was such a mistake. We're not here for us. We're here for Oliver. Oliver will be fine. Now I'm going to bed because I'm not in the mood to be around my husband who doesn't support me in my feelings. It's so damn cold in here. Don't sleep outside! <laughs> she leaves through the back door. Evan takes a breath, turns, off the, turns on the TV, and immediately we hear Fox News. He turns it off. I think I will sleep outside. At least I won't wake up with blue feet. He grabs a blanket off the couch and exits, and that's the end of Act 2. 
Act three, it's the next morning in the living room. Billy's in the kitchen cooking eggs. His face is painted red and white, and he wears a Georgia T-shirt. Wendy enters also with her face painted red and white. Without saying a word, she starts helping him with breakfast. You painted your face. Mm -hmm. It's a peace offering. Besides, got to root for my dogs, right? Things got stupid last night. They did. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. I can be a headstrong moron sometimes. He's well, you're not wrong. It is kind of funny, you know. Your know-it-all sister and her family are living in your guest house. Your family. That's the beginning and the end of it. You can stay as long as you want. And your husband doesn't have to paint his face for the game if he doesn't want to. Janie enters with her face painted. Morning, y'all. Morning, Janie. Nice face paint. I should let you do mine next time. Really? Mm. Oh, that'd be fun. I'm so glad we're not for enemies. <laughs> the phone rings and Billy answers. Hello? Hey, Teddy. Well, you don't say. Well, how about that? No, it doesn't mean he can smoke reefer in the store. <laughs> Get back to work. He hangs up. That idea your husband had for putting TVs in the store is working. Teddy says the place is packed with people watching the games and buying stuff. Oh, well, how about that? He can't teach Beyonce, but he knows the only thing better than football down south is football and a sale. Hmm. Where is that mangy mutt? Uh, he slept outside. He said the air conditioner was too cold, plus we had a fight. Oh, hell, it's blazing out there. I hope he didn't sleep in the sun. The door opens and Evan enters. Hey, I think I got sunburned. You got natural Georgia colors. Go dog! His face is his face is half sunburned, so it looks red and white. <laughs> it's radio. It's gonna work. It's <laughs> Wait, I, I I do. And your idea of having the game on the store work? Teddy says the place is packed. Have some eggs, my friend. They ain't red and white, but they'll forgive them. We'll forgive them. Evan starts eating. Wow, my, my idea worked? That's pretty cool. Oliver enters. His face is painted red and white. Yeah, go hot dogs! Bulldogs. Bulldogs, honey. That's all right. I like the boy's spirit. Courtney enters. She wears a half shirt and has a red paw and a white paw on each cheek. Hey, y'all. How do I look? I'm going for cute yet sexy with a dash of athletic. Wow, you look awesome. Will you introduce me to one of your friends? If you fall out of the truck again, I bet my friend Cindy will talk to you. Consider it done. <laughs> All right, Grandons and Riles, let's get ready to move out. It's football time. Woo! Woo! No, don't, do, don't ever do that again. Yeah, great, I agree. <laughs> it, felt, it felt really awkward. They all exit, and that's the end of Act 3. We're in the tag. Close-up of a TV showing the Georgia game. The TV coverage pans off the field to the fans. An announcer. It's 23 to 10 Bulldogs as we go into the third quarter. We see the Riles and Grandins, faces painted and sunburnt, cheering from the stands. Evan looks dazed and confused by the game. It, why did they stop playing? Who, who, has the, who has the ball? Are we winning? We pull out to see Teddy and a half a dozen other locals watching the game at the Billy Barn. Teddy has his face painted. Look at him. He's high as a kite. <laughs> End of show. Yeah, Mark. Hey, buddy. Oh, hey, what's up, man? Um, so I'm at this mafia restaurant, 
What? I'm going to go in and ask these guys what they think the best pasta shape is. Mark, they're probably eating it. I have a hunch that it's probably ravioli, but I mean, you know what? That's a good idea. Whatever they're eating, I'll just take a look in their bowls Why don't and you see what they have. Maybe There's supposed to be a big meeting there today. Can you see it from the street? That sounds really dangerous. So I'm just going to go inside and ask. Don't don't bother them. They're probably eating, you well, know. Look, I'm not threatened by them. How about we tell them what the best pasta is on our podcast? We got this with Mark and Hal. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank God. Tuesdays at 9? On MaximumFun.org. Okay, hope you enjoyed that. As always, thanks to my co-host, Ben Blacker. Thanks to everyone at Largo. Thank you to Noah Findling for keeping me from saying things I would regret in my intro. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcast. We really don't want you to miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a rating. Uh, you should also really follow us on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram and Facebook at Dead Pilot Society. That way you'll find out about all of our live shows um, we've got one coming up, as I said, Dynasty Theater, Sunday, March 11th, 2 o'clock p.m. Go to eventbrite.com, get your tickets. Uh, until next time, I'm Andrew Reich. Thanks for listening.